don't want to keep you long, but I, I do have uh, what I feel is a, a profound word. How many know that the word changes us? The word the word of God is alive, and it's, uh, the scripture says in Hebrews that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts between the bone and the marrow, and, and that spiritually, it cuts between the same motion. What I love about the word of God is it's the same motion that it cuts us, it also heals us. And when you begin to apply it in your life, you'll see life-changing uh, things happening in your spiritual life. But I, I think I have a word for us today. I don't think. I know I have a word for us today, and uh, I want to just speak to you. Um, how many know that there are uh, must things in our lives that we must do? Everyone say must. All right, must. And I, 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 had, I was throwing around titles for this sermon, and I didn't know how to title this. But I'm going to title my sermon, this is going to be crazy, must. Everyone say must. M-U-S-T, must. That's, that's it. And there are must things in our lives that we must do. I was, I, I was looking this up. According to multiple sites, on the internet, because you know how true the internet is, right? Um, there, are, the average human can make up to thirty-five thousand decisions in a day. That's a lot of decisions, right? When you go into the restaurant and you get the uh, uh, menu, you look at that and you're like, "Do I want this? No, I don't feel like this. Do I need this? This?" And you're making decisions, whether you realize it or not. And you finally, they finally come, and you think you've made your decision. They say, "What will you have?" And you totally switch. Anybody ever do that? I do that all the time. Um, and you and you go with that, and and so. But here's the thing: when we make decisions, there are this. You know, when I was in school, we used to learn about cause and effect. Anybody learn about that in school? There's causes and there's effects. You reap what you sow. That's that's really a biblical principle. Um, I'll give you an example. For instance, uh, yesterday was Zaley's 17th birthday, and we asked her, "Hey, where do you want to go for your birthday?" And she said, "Cracker Barrel." How many love some Cracker Barrel? Don't be hating on Cracker Barrel. And so we went to Cracker Barrel yesterday for lunch, and it's where she chose to eat. She's 17. We let her make that decision. And and when we were there, uh, the last few times that me and Tristan have been there, we go there, and I, I'm almost uh, – there, I almost order the same thing over and over and over just because it's just, I don't know, I, when something works for me, sometimes I just stick with it. And so I know that's contrary to what I said earlier, but in this case, it, I stick with it. So when I'm there, uh, we, we order, and they always ask you when you order your food, do you want biscuits or, or cornbread, right, with your meal? Boy, I felt the anointing on that one. And, and so everyone at our table, uh, we were like, you know, we want biscuits. We want biscuits. Now, I have nothing against cornbread, but we want biscuits, you know. And so we had, we had uh, a whole thing of biscuits. And my wife, being the, the, the great person that she is, she's great. She's not in here right now. She's out running around, uh, getting, making sure things are, are in place and, and, and doing that. So I can talk about her. So, all right, this is between us, and she doesn't need to know. All right. Um, but my wife, when we were, we were she, they said, what, what do you want, biscuits or do you want cornbread? And she's like, I want biscuits. And she always makes this request every time that we're there. It's a must for her. She says, can I get apple butter? Somebody said, I feel the anointing on that. And can I get apple butter with my biscuits? And, and so she, yesterday, I knew it was coming. The lady said, do you want corn or cornbread? Not corn. Do you want cornbread or do you want biscuits? She says, we, we'll take biscuits. And can I get apple butter with our biscuits? 
Now, I don't know if they've changed their policy or what, but they used to bring your biscuits to you before you got your meal, but now they have a tendency to bring them when you get your meal. So when my food's out and it's hot, I want to eat my meal. And so what usually happens, or what's happened to us period, like the last few times we've been there, is we eat our food, and then we have this big old thing of biscuits that we didn't even touch. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, no, we go straight to the biscuits right off the get-go. And then the last few times we've been there, me and Tristan have gotten biscuits and apple butter. And then before we leave, we get, we get one of those trays, and we put all the biscuits and apple butter, and we take it home, we put it in the refrigerator, and guess what? Those biscuits and that apple butter sit in our refrigerator until we throw it away. It's what happens. And so yesterday, my wife, being the great person that she is, she said, yes, we'll take biscuits and I'll take apple butter. And I looked at my wife and I said, you know what's going to happen here. I said, I don't even know why you asked for apple butter because you're going to get it and then we're going to take it home and then it's going to sit in. And she said, I don't care. It's a must for me to have apple butter with these biscuits. And I said, okay, some things are non-negotiable, right? And, and what about this? When you go on vacation, and, and let's say you go, you go to, uh, I, let's just say, uh, I don't know why you would want to go there, but if you go to Washington, D.C. for a vacation, okay, and you're there, and, and there are must things that you have to see in Washington, D.C., right? You want to see the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, and, and those things, or the Capitol Building, or the White House. Those are must-sees. When, when you go somewhere and say, hey, I'm going on vacation, I need to go here. If you're going to Disneyland, I hear you got to have Dole Whip, Right? Disney World for you. I'm a Californian kid, so Disneyland. And so you got to have that when you go there. But, but, but you know, the Bible says this, or, or also to get, here's another, here's another example. To get into shape, you, got, you must exercise. Some of you don't like that one. To get into shape, you must exercise. And I agree with Paul in 2 Timothy 4.8 when it says bodily exercise profits little. Matter of fact, for all you joggers out there, Proverbs 28 says, the wicked run while no one is, is chasing them. And I'm taking that way out of context, but, you know, I, I, no, is it wrong to run? No, I'm joking. Uh, but to get into shape, you must exercise. There, there's a principle there. Same thing for us spiritually. There are some non-negotiable musts that must happen for us to be in a relationship with the Lord. Plain and simple. So I want to talk to you about that. And I want to look at three people here. And we're going to be in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. That's in the New Testament. That's the third, uh, the, the fourth book in the New Testament. And, and you go there, John chapter 3. It's a very popular. There's a verse in John 3 that, that you guys know, John 3, 16. And I believe everybody, almost everybody can quote that verse. And we're going to get there in just a minute. But I want to look at three people here in John chapter 3 that we can pull some spiritual understanding and, and that, that will help us to be in a relationship with Jesus, okay? And here's the first must. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your, for your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to soften our hearts today. God, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be a place that your word can land. And, Lord, that, that the fruit of your word would grow within us. God, I pray, Lord, that it changes us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use me as you see fit today. God, help me to get out of the way. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. So the first thing I want to look at here in John uh, uh, is John chapter 3, verse 7. And the first thing that it says this, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Did you catch that? Everyone's, the first must is you must be born again. 
And this is my first subheading, if you want to write this down, if you're a note taker, is this. This is the must of a sinner. This is the must of a sinner. Now, see, here's, here's a story here, and to give you a little backstory to this, um, is there's a man named Nicodemus who's here. And Nicodemus is part of the Sanhedrin, and he is a Pharisee. And matter of fact, he is so busy. He meets Jesus at night, and, and a lot of people get give him a hard time because he doesn't go and meet Jesus during the day, but he actually goes and meet him at night, and they say that he did it secretly because he didn't want to be seen by the others. But I don't know if that's necessarily true because he because he was part of the Sanhedrin, and and which would be like the uh, Supreme Court of the religious organization there. Uh, he would actually be teaching throughout the day, and Jesus was also very busy teaching throughout the day. So I think it was more of a, hey, Jesus is available at, at this moment. So there he is, and he meets, meets Jesus, approaches Jesus at night, and, and verse 3 and verse 5 says this, You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. How many know that we have many kingdoms in this world? Now think back to your fifth grade or fourth grade science. There is something called the plant kingdom, right? And we have all these plants, and there's that. And there's something called the animal kingdom, right? And then there's, there's uh, the mineral kingdom. But there's also this thing, the spiritual kingdom, and that's the spiritual kingdom of God. And there's also uh, political kingdoms in this world and political governments in this world. But the, the kingdom that I'm talking about is a spiritual kingdom. And it's a spiritual, spiritual kingdom of God that is eternal. It is forever. It is forever. And so, and so that's, that's where we're at right here. Matter of fact, you know, Jesus, he says right here, you must be born again. There was a mighty preacher in the colonial era named George Whitefield. And he was asked uh, why he always preached that a person must be born again. And they said, he said, why do I preach that I must be born again? And his answer was simply this. Because you must be born again. Just plain and simple, you must be born again. It's a non-negotiable. Everyone say that's non-negotiable. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the message of Jesus Christ is not about a maxim or it's not a, about a list on how to be better people. It's not a, hey, if you do this, 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 but you must be born again. It's, it's about seeing the Spirit of God birth something new within our lives. Now, I'm going to say something here. Now, this may be a little bit confrontational to some people, but it's not about reformation. reformation it's about regeneration. It's regeneration of your spirit. I'm going to give you a good example. There were, there were, there were two uh, courtiers, an uh, uh, advisor to the king, and that's an advisor to a king or queen, and they were arguing whether a man could be made a gentleman or whether he had to be born one. Finally, after arguing, the king gave them both money and sent them on their way to settle their dispute. The, the courtier, or the courtier who held the viewpoint that the man could be made gen, uh, gentleman, went to a cafe where he ordered a hot chocolate. And after a few minutes, a cat walked in, dressed like a waiter, carrying a cup of hot chocolate between his front paws. That should wow you right there. Aha, said the, the courtier. Aha, here's my answer. Because of uh, this common cat can be trained to be a waiter, certainly a man can be trained to be a gentleman. And so he goes to the, the, the shop owner and he said, sir, I want to buy your cat. Here is $1,000, I want to buy your cat. So on his way back to the palace, his opponent got word of the cat. And he said, oh no, how can I argue this point against a cat who can serve hot chocolate? And he saw something in a window. 
And he went in and rushing into the store, and he spent his money buying the objects in this window, and they were placed in a box. And both courtiers entered the palace within moments of each other. The king asked, hey, do you have your answer? Yes, said the fellow with the cat. Here's proof that man can be made a gentleman. And the cat, dressed like a waiter, came out walking, carrying a saucer of hot chocolate. And it was at this point the courier opened the, his box in which 12 mice were released. And as the mice scampered across the floor, the cat dropped the hot chocolate and took off after them, proving that you cannot be made a gentleman because he will eventually return to his baser instincts. Ladies and gentlemen, we are born into sin. We are born into sin. It's true, folks. Listen, you can come to church, you can wear a tie, you can attend church, you can sing on the worship team, and you can learn how to be a Christian. But sooner or later, there will be a mouse in your life that will run across your path that will pull out your true nature of who you are. We are fallen. That's what Scripture tells us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, Jesus here, he's talking about uh, being born again. He's not talking about reformation. He's talking about uh, regeneration. And reform means to restructure something. We're not, we're not just being restructured, but we're being made new is what the Scripture says. God takes a black heart with, with sin, washes it with red blood of Jesus, and makes us white as snow. And I don't know how that works, but it does. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation is what it says. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So it's about regeneration and to be born again. To be born again. Nicodemus, he was confused by this statement. He said, you must be born again. He's like, are you telling me I need to go back into my mom and come back out? That's a little bit weird to tell somebody. And Jesus is like, hey, you're missing the point. And we know that, that Nicodemus was changed by Jesus because when Jesus died, he was the one who provided the burial spices for, for, for Jesus' burial. And so we know that he was transformed. Everyone say, you must be born again. Point number one. Point number two right here. Here's the must of a servant. Are you ready for this? If you, if you have your Bible, jump down to John 3, verse 30. And uh, we're going to talk about another character here and and and. This character says this, John 3.30 says this, he must increase, but I must decrease. Say it with me. He must increase, but I, oh, are you catching this? You catching these must in there? This is pretty amazing to me. John the Baptist is here, and, and he is speaking, and he's, he's, he's exalting Christ, and that's why he came. Everything that John the Baptist did was pointing to Jesus Christ. He, he was the forerunner to Jesus coming, and everything he did, he pointed to Jesus Christ. Look at this, verse 27. He says this, that a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Let me tell you something. You're not as good as you think you are because God has given you the gift that you have. You are only as good that you are because God gave it to you. And John the Baptist understood his role. And he understood that uh, his, uh, he understood his role was to die to himself, to hear clearly from God, and to point to Jesus Christ. We're going to tread on some, some tough ground. A little thing to help you uh, is uh, to keep you in your place is this. And this is something that I like to use. Do you know that everybody you meet everywhere 
they can do, no matter who you meet, they can do something better than you can. They can. I don't care where you go. That person that you don't like in front of you in Walmart, they can do something better than you can. Maybe take longer in the, in the checkout. I don't know. Right? But, but, but that helps me. I don't know about you. But that helps me to keep my pride in check. I don't know about you, but that creeps up into me sometimes. But, but the humility of John the Baptist, is, it, 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 it amazes me. And this is what we need to understand is John, he spent his whole life saying that he was coming. He was coming. And then when he saw Jesus, he even said, I, I can't, I'm not even worthy to hold his sandals. Points people to Jesus. Like John, we must get out of the way when we talk to people about Jesus. You know our goal as believers is to tell people about Jesus. It is. Listen, I, I know it's quiet in here. But listen, you're, you're getting this. I, I pray you're getting this. And here's what we need to do. We need to be like John, telling people about Jesus. Focus our attention on him and live for the purpose of sharing him. I talked to one of my good friends today, and he says this all the time. Matter of fact, I, was, I, 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 I uh, spied on their church the other day, and I watched one of his services because I haven't seen him in a while. And he had a shirt on and with his favorite saying, and his, this shirt is, make Jesus famous. And I love that. And I told him, I said, I'm going to adopt that. I, I love that. My goal as a believer and your goal as a believer is to make Jesus famous in all that we do. How we live, how we talk, how we walk, how we wait patiently behind that person at Walmart that's taken an extra long time. Make Jesus famous. So be it. If I, if, if I don't pull down a big salary, so be it. It's okay. If I don't play a professional sport, Lord knows I'm never going to do that. So be it. Uh, if I don't have a nice house, so be it. The, but those are all things, and they're not bad. But let me tell you something. They, they are frail in comparison to what God can do. And I must decrease. Everyone say, I must decrease. So he can increase. You know what he said? Jesus said, I, I, I need to be about my father's business, sharing him. Look at this. We should follow Jesus' example of not, not, doing, not doing the less. And, and I love that. Look, look at this. Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. John the Baptist understood something here. I must decrease so he can in increase. What are you saying there, Pastor? The word says find yourself, but Jesus says you'll need to lose yourself to be able to do that. What does that mean? The message version says it like this. You, when you lose yourself, you'll find him and your life. How many want purpose? Amen. How many want a purpose for your life? And I'm going to ask the worship team to come down. Listen, I told you I wasn't going to be long today. And everyone said, praise the Lord. There's something about looking for him that causes us to lose our own desire. We must decrease and he must increase. Everyone say, we must decrease and he must increase. That's the must of a servant. That's the must of a servant. If you are a believer in here, let me tell you something. He must increase and I must decrease. Here's number three, point number three. The must of the Savior. 
talking about Jesus Christ here, the must of a Savior. Everyone say the must of a Savior. John chapter 3 verse 14 says this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Do you catch that? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so what? So what? The Son of Man be lifted up. Numbers 21. As the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, they, they grew tired of, of manna that God had provided them. You, you know the story. They were out in the wilderness, and God provided them every day. He would give them new manna each and every day. They just had to go out and get it. They couldn't save the manna from that day because if they did, it would go bad. And so they would go out and get manna every day. How, how many think that would be pretty awesome if you just walked out of your house and God had delivered your food to you? That's pretty awesome. So he was doing this. But, uh, and no, no doubt about it, they prepared manna every way. They probably had banana splits. They probably had banana bread. They probably had manna cotti. You want me to keep going? I can, I can keep cheesy, cheesy jokes, keep going all day, right? And finally, man alive, right? Uh, they had had it every way, and they were like, we're tired of this manna. We're tired of this manna. And because of their ungratefulness, now listen, whew, how many times have we been ungrateful when God has given us mercy? I was thinking about that over in my seat. We were singing this song, and I, I began to think about the mercy and the grace of God over my life. And I said, God, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be like the children of Israel and be ungrateful when you're doing something for me. It, just, it, it really, I was just blown away over there. But, but because of their ungratefulness, and, and, and poisonous snakes began to smite them as they grumbled and complained about God's provision, and they began to die by the thousands. Stop your complaining. Look at this. Moses sought the Lord. Moses knew what to do. Sought the Lord. When you're in trouble, what do you do? You, you find help. Where does my help come from? It comes from you, Lord. Right? Uh, and Moses sought the Lord, and God told him to put a, a brass snake on a pole, and he, he told him to put it in the center of, the, of Israel's camp. And everyone that looked upon that snake would not die. Matter of fact, if you look on, the, on medical fields, you'll see that, that very thing. You'll see a pole with a snake on it. Still to this day. And many probably looked and scoffed and said, what kind of cure is this? This is, this is crazy. And, and then there were, there were some who looked in faith, and they were spared. Sometimes we overthink what God, what God has done for us. Sometimes we, we want to scoff and say, could it be that easy? Is, is it really that? Is, that? is that really, can God do that? But Jesus said, I, I, he did this, and, and here's what happened. I, I was talking about us, we live in a fallen state, and we were all bitten by the curse of sin. Listen, when Adam and Eve, they had it together. God had given them the Garden of Eden. They had it all working for them, and they messed up, and they sinned, and then sin entered the world. We live in a fallen world with sin. Sin, you can just look around, turn on the news, and you can see just bad thing after bad thing after bad thing, and that is because of fallen world. And we've been bitten by the snake of sin. And oftentimes, here's, what pro here's the problem. When we've been bitten by the, the, <laughs> the, the snake that, uh, that is sin, we often bite other people. It's what happens. I, I'm not happy with who I am, so I start eating other people. And, I start, and we start hurting other people. But look at this. Look at this. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became the snake on the pole for us. He knew no sin 
and became sin so we could be the righteousness of God. It's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. He knew no sin, but he became sin. He lived a perfect life is what Scripture tells us. Look at this. I, I was thinking about this. Luke 2.49, Jesus is there, and he's 12 years old, and he says this. He says to his parents, remember, he had been lost for a few days, and his parents finally come back, and he says this to his parents, why do you seek me? Do you know I must be about my father's business? Do you catch that? I must be about my father's business. Even at the age of 12 years old, Jesus knew what his goal was and his, his, his job here on earth was to fulfill the father's promise on his life. Look at this. I'm going to show you something. This is amazing. He understood his purpose. I must be about my father's business. But look, he would later declare this in John 12:32 as he's doing ministry. He would say this. John 12, 32 says, and I, if I am, what, lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. That word lifted up, you know what that means? If I am crucified. That's what that means right there. That means that he would be crucified. He knew the plan before he ever, uh, before, he knew he was destined to die. And he knew the plan was for him to die on the cross. And it was a plan of salvation for your soul and for mine. And I love that. And lastly, look at this. I, I, I want to show you something very profound here. And bear with me. Listen, I believe that God is moving through this building right now. I believe they're, they're, the anointing's flowing here. Listen, I'm going to make an altar call in just a moment. But look, look. Lastly, in the garden, praying before his death, the night before he was, would be crucified and be put on trial, he knew what was to come. But look at this. Matthew 26, 39, he says this. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He's struggling in the garden and he's praying. He's like, God, Father, I, I, know, I know what's about to come. But if it's possible, God, if it's possible. He's struggling. He, he came and he became flesh. Listen, how many of us struggle in our flesh at times? And Jesus, he, he's not overcome by his flesh, but he's, he's having a little bit of apprehension here. And he's struggling. But look at this. Look at the next word. It says, nevertheless. I love this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, Lord. He knew what was to come, and after pleading with his father, he said, let this cup pass from me. He makes a very powerful statement, and he uses that word, nevertheless. Can I tell you something? Jesus never does the less. He always does the more. He always does the greater. He always does above and beyond. Matter of fact, you are here today because Jesus did the more on Calvary for you and for me. Nevertheless, Jesus, and he never did the less. He always did the more. He, he gave his life for you. His will is that none would perish. That's the will of the Father, that, that none would perish. That includes you. That includes you. That includes you. That includes you. That includes me. That includes everybody. Look at this. Go with me. John chapter 3. And I'm going to read this, verses 14 through 17. We read John 3.16 a lot, but there are some pretty powerful verses before John 3.16 and after John 3.16. But look at this. I, I want to show you this. Look, this is the scripture that we use today. 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus became the propitiation for your sin. Look at this. Verse 15, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. Verse 16, we all know this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only eternal son, or that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. Verse 17 says this. For God did not send his son into the world to, be, to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The must of a savior. One thing I can say about Jesus, he never did the less, he always did the more. And matter of fact, he faced the must so that we might be born again. And that we might be able to say, God, I, I decrease, Lord, so you can increase in my life. Jesus did the more for you and me. What a great reminder of hope for us today. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? I know this is simple. I know this was a very simple word. I did it intentionally. The, the Lord uh, began to break me last night uh, and I shifted gears. But I believe that it was being led by the Spirit that, that God was going to do something in your life today. Maybe you're here today and you're like Nicodemus and you say, what, what must I do to be born again? I, I heard you talking about how, I, how we live in a fallen world and I haven't accepted Jesus as my Savior. And, and that's, that's the goal. And let me tell you something. If you don't know Jesus in your heart, it's the best decision that you can ever make. He changed me. He saved me. He made me new. Say, hey, pastor, I, I want to know, with no one looking around, nobody looking around, please, please be reverent today. No one looking around. Say, hey, pastor, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about, this Jesus who died on the cross for me, who took my place, who became sin, that I might be the righteousness of God. You say, hey, that's, that's me, pastor. Would you lift your hand? Anybody in the building today? I'm going to tarry just a moment. We've got time today. While, while, while the blood's r running warm in your body right now, I, I want to I plead with you. Don't, don't wait another moment. Thank you, Jesus. I promise you, we're not going to call you out. We're not going to make you become a member. We're not going to do all that. We just want you to have a relationship with Jesus and know that he loves you. The Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He, he, he'll be there for you. He'll lead and guide you. I, just, Terry, just a moment. Thank you for being very patient today. I just feel in my heart I just need to wait just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. All right. The plan of salvation is, is profoundly simple and simply profound. And, and I believe that if you didn't raise your hand today, that, that you can know Jesus today, and, and that's fine. You can, if you're not comfortable in this setting, catch me afterwards if you, if you want to. 
maybe you're here and you say, hey, hey, pastor, I, I feel like John the Baptist. And I feel like that maybe I've, I've allowed some things to be increased in my life. And maybe I need to put the right perspective. And I need Jesus to be increased in my life again. And if you're here, you're a believer, you have a relationship with Jesus, say, hey, I need to get some things back into perspective. I need to get them in the right order here. I've, I've made more of a issue trying to make my career or focus on things that are temporal and not eternal and say, I need to get those things right. If you'll just lift up your hand. Anybody? In, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The must. I must decrease. He must increase. Thank you for doing that. Will you stand with me all across this building? I'm going to say a prayer and they're, they're going to sing this song one more time. And God, I pray for each and every person that lifted their hand in this building. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to surround them with your love. Lord, that you would cover them with your grace. God, I pray, Lord, that areas that maybe they've struggled and maybe we've allowed certain things, Lord, to come before you. God, I pray, Lord, that those things would begin to be in the shadow of who you are. God, I pray, Lord, that you would increase in our lives, each and every one of us. God, I pray, Lord, that it's not for our glory, but, Lord, that that the light of Jesus would increase in us, God, that we might shine to a dark and a dying world. God, I, I pray and I believe and I know, God, Lord, you've got a, a purpose and a plan. God, I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of, of your grace. God, I'm reminded of, of Paul, God, as, as he journeyed through this life, Lord, the, the, the more that he got closer to his death and the closer he got to you, he realized that he had a need of a savior more so at the end of his life he said i am the chiefest of all sinners god this is a man that's preaching the gospel that wrote a lot of the new testament and he said he is the chiefest of all sinners so god i know that as i grow closer to you god i begin to realize that i need you and my need for you is greater and greater and greater so god i lay aside things god help me to keep you in the right perspective lord we honor you and we thank you jesus can you lift your hands? They're going to sing this song one more time. I want you to think about the mercy. I want you to think.